This is SCOTUS Talk, a nonpartisan podcast about the Supreme Court for lawyers and non-lawyers alike, brought to you by SCOTUS Blog. Welcome to SCOTUS Talk. I'm Amy Howe. Thanks for joining us. On January 20th, Joe Biden will take the oath of office as the 46th president of the United States. And that will mean a lot of things, but for many people who follow the Supreme Court, the most important question will be, who will be the next Solicitor General of the United States, the government's top lawyer in the Supreme Court. Joining me to discuss this and the possibility of a vacancy on the Supreme Court is Katie Barlow, Scottish Blog's media editor. Katie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This part is particularly enjoyable for me because I get to ask you all of the questions I generally have. I just get to do it while we're also recording a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So um, now that we know what the contours of a Biden administration will look like, particularly his nominee for attorney general, we now know, um, which came out right kind of after the Georgia election results were solidified, uh, that it's going to be uh, D.C. Circuit Judge Merrick Garland, former Supreme Court nominee Merrick Garland. Um, And so we know who's going to be at the top, uh, but we don't know who he's going. In fact, we also know a couple of the other positions, including Associate Attorney General and and DAG, uh, but we don't know who the Solicitor General is going to be. It's January. Uh, We're almost at Inauguration Day, uh, and we still don't know. And there's a lot that's going to happen on day one in an Biden administration, um, dealing with emergency applications and and all the things that that come up um, to the Supreme Court. So it's interesting that we don't know yet. But given that we don't, who are you hearing or do you think that we're going to see as a potential nominee? So it is very interesting that we don't know yet. And, And not only do we not know, but the Biden administration, uh, the Biden transition team is keeping its cards very close to the vest. There's not even a lot of rumors flying around Washington in terms of who it might be. But just for a little bit of context, I went back and looked at when the Obama transition team announced that it was going to nominate then Dean Elena Kagan of the Harvard Law School as the next Solicitor General back in 2009. And that was on January 5th. Um, So it does seem like uh, the Biden team is running on a slightly different timetable. And as I said, there's not a lot of, there aren't a lot of rumors floating around. Um, What we have heard a lot of is a list of people whom progressive groups don't want uh, on the Supreme Court, <laughs> uh, the group Demand Justice sent a letter to the Biden transition team talking about a, a couple of lawyers who they did not want to see on the court, either because of their support for the Trump nominees to the Supreme Court, because of clients of whom Demand Justice, the group, did not approve, or in the case of a couple of lawyers, um, both um, but the same, that same group, Demand Justice, also urged Biden to nominate a black woman as the Solicitor General. Um, a couple of the names, one of the names that they listed was Kristen Clark, who's already been nominated to a senior, pers- a senior position 
at the Department of Justice, but there were a couple of names and one of the names, Sherilyn Eiffel of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Melissa Murray of NYU. Uh, one of the names that did jump out to a lot of Supreme Court watchers is Leander Kruger, who is currently a Supreme Court justice on the California Supreme Court, but lots of lawyers in Washington know her from her time as an assistant to the Solicitor General. She also uh, had another role in the Department of Justice during the Obama administration, but uh, I think was uniformly well-liked, was regarded as a, a rock star in the SG's office. And so there is a lot of talk uh, that she might be the nominee uh, to the extent that there, and th th there's a lot of discussion, a lot of focus on, on Justice Kruger as a potential nominee. Um, it would mean that she would be confirmed. And, and then she's also on the short list in, if there were to be a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Uh, President-elect Biden during his campaign promised to nominate a black woman uh, if there were to be a vacancy during his time uh, as president. So yeah, those are some some possibilities, some of the, the names that have been advanced as possible nominees. Another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, the, the tendency of the lawyers in Washington who practice regularly before the Supreme Court and the writer, the, the journalists who write about the Supreme Court is to focus on the people that we see all the time. Um, you know, it could be an more unexpected out of the box nominee like Elena Kagan, who you know certainly was a, a known quantity in the sense that she was the dean of Harvard Law School, but she'd never argued before the Supreme Court. Her first argument was Citizens United. You know, and, and imagine what a, what a place to start. Uh, have we had a black woman as the Solicitor General before, or that would be the first if she was? She would nominated? be the first. And I know we've had men in the role, both in the Trump administration and in the Obama administration with, with Don Verrilli. Uh, is Justice Kagan, then Dean Kagan, the last woman that we had in the role? She is the most recent, the most recent woman, yes. Okay. So it's interesting that both, um, we know the Biden administration has promised to nominate a Black woman to the Supreme Court. Uh, and the way to that seat could be the Kagan route through the Solicitor General's uh, position, or it could be through another frequently um, used route on the D.C. Circuit, because we know that Merrick Garland will be, um, if he's confirmed, will become the Attorney General. And so that will leave open a seat on the D.C. Circuit. And there have been some rumblings, some rumors about who Biden would perhaps fill his seat with, um, which would also um, kind of turn eyes toward that position um, as a potential nominee if we have um, a resignation on the Supreme Court, if one of the justices steps down. Um, so I also wanted to pick your brain about that a little bit. First of all, do you think we'll see um, any justice? We know Justice Breyer is 82 years old, but do you think we'll see um, another justice step down this year? So I do think it's very possible that we could see Justice Breyer step down as soon as this year. I think there are a couple of different factors in play. He is a realist. You know, many of us who cover the court, uh, practice before the court, 
think of him as this sort of absent-minded professor with the long rambling hypotheticals about the pet oyster on the leash. <laughs> but he is, you know, he's a political animal too. He worked in the Senate for a couple of years and he had a front row seat to what happened with Justice Ginsburg, who had hoped, you know, she made no secret, uh, had hoped to wait until the after the 2020 elections uh, and hoped that a Democratic president would win and she could retire then. And it didn't work out that way. And he also has lots of other things going on in his life. He you know, is on the jury of the, one of these major architectural awards. So he has, I think, other things that, that he would enjoy doing if he were to retire. And I think I'm not a, a political reporter by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, my understanding is that the 2022 elections, you know, that the things could, uh, that the Democrats, you know, are, are going to be hard pressed to, to keep their majority after the 2022 elections. So he'd want to step down sooner rather than later if he were going to do it. Uh, so President-elect Biden, having promised to appoint a Black woman, uh, there are a couple of people on the shortlist. It's a relatively short shortlist, even by shortlist standards. Uh, Leandra Kruger out in California is is one of the people on the shortlist. The other one is Katanji Brown Jackson, who currently is a district court judge uh, in Washington D.C. But there, the conventional wisdom is that she is a strong contender to fill the vacancy that will be left once Merrick Garland is confirmed as the Attorney General. Uh, she would move up to the D.C. Circuit. So I've certainly seen Judge Jackson uh, in the news mentioned uh, as a, a a name that would be on that short list and as a potential nominee to fill the D.C. Circuit seat. Do we know much more about her? You know, one one thing that she would certainly likely have going for her that would, would be very helpful in a confirmation process, both at the D.C. Circuit level and if she were to be nominated for the Supreme Court level, uh, in addition to being very well regarded, is that she is a relative by marriage of Paul Ryan, uh, the former Speaker of the House and vice presidential candidate. So that is a Republican vice presidential candidate. So you know she could get some bipartisan support, perhaps that way. Oh, that's interesting. All right. So we know that the Solicitor General position will come up most likely before there would be any need to fill a Supreme Court justice's seat. So looking at that as the first priority, what happens in the next couple of weeks as the administration changes, uh, who obviously have different priorities and those will be reflected in the Solicitor General's role as the court will continue to have oral arguments, hear cases involving the administration, uh, deal with its shadow docket. Um, what are we looking for and how will the administration's kind of transition before that solicitor general is nominated and confirmed? So the other thing that that folks uh, are watching is who the the Biden team will name as what's known as the principal deputy solicitor general, sometimes also known as the political deputy solicitor general. The solicitor general's office is relatively small. Um, there are, you know, depending on exactly at any point in time, somewhere 
around 15 assistants to the Solicitor General, uh, and then a handful of Deputy Solicitors, solicitors General uh, under the Solicitor General. And all but one of the Deputy Solicitors General are career lawyers. Uh, you know, several of them have been there literally for decades um, and have tremendous expertise and experience arguing before the court. But there is one slot that is traditionally held open uh, for, to be an appointee of the current administration. And it's not a confirmed slot. And so the normally what happens is that that person is the administ new administration's sort of boots on the ground, which is particularly important before the Solicitor General can be confirmed and come into the office and start making decisions. And we have also not seen uh, or really even heard a lot of rumors about who that person uh, is going to be. We're running out of time here, so I wonder, uh, I surely will hear something soon on that front. Um, so I don't know if this is by accident or somewhat by design, but at least whoever that political appointee is that will kind of help the seamless transition before we have a confirmed nominee, we'll have a little bit of time, right, because the Supreme Court will wrap up its January oral arguments, and then they don't start uh, the February seating until a little bit later, right? So there's a little bit of time there where they can get adjusted. I mean, there is time in the sense that there are not arguments until the end of February, but there is just sort of a constant barrage of decisions being made about everything from positions to take in briefs, uh, to decisions about, you know, when the United States is or is not going to appeal. So uh, whoever that person is, when she or he is named, you know, they're going to have a lot of work to do. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. As always, thank you, Amy, for thank all you. the information and knowledge. I love learning from you. Thanks. Thanks so much. This was, this was a lot of fun. of SCOTUS Talk. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Case Text, our sponsor, and to our production team, Katie Barlow, Katie Bart, Cal Goldie, and James Ramoser.